Um, we're continuing our series on eating with Jesus. We heard last Sunday from Andy what, what the significance of eating uh, in the biblical culture was. So it talks about eating with someone in the biblical culture really meant friendship, it meant acceptance, it meant covenant, it meant welcome, it meant a lot. It meant that you had something in common uh, and that's why you eat with, with the mom. And today, is, uh, as has already been mentioned, you know, we'll be talking, we're going to be covering feeding of the 5,000. Um, before I just step into all of that, um, do you know how many miracles have been mentioned in all four Gospels? So a miracle being mentioned in each of the four Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. So any, anyone want to hazard a guess? Ten miracles repeated across all four, Okay. One. Okay. Any? Anyone else? You can shout. You can. You can. Fifteen miracles. Okay. Two. Okay. Good. Yeah. It's probably fair to say that any, apart from the resurrection of Jesus, if you were to just keep that aside, the only other miracle that's that's been repeated across all the four gospels is actually this one, feeding of the five thousand. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I got it wrong. Yeah, 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 you did. <laughs> well. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's a, such a familiar passage. It's such a familiar miracle that Jesus performed. And, um, and here it is. This is the only miracle that's been, that's been repeated across. And, and I was thinking about it. There must have been a spiritual significance as to why, why that's been repeated across all four Gospels. Um, and today we're probably going to unpack a bit of that, and, I, and, and I'm pretty confident it's not coincidence. Uh, there was there was something that God was actually speaking there. So um, we're going to turn to two passages, and I'm going to read the whole passage. Um, there are two passages. One is John, and one for Mark. Um, so I'm, I'm going to read that out. Um, so please bear with. You can read the, there's the, the scripture up on the screen as well. So feel free to read. Or if you've got a Bible, just turn to those. So it's from John chapter uh, 6. It's from verses 1 to 13. I'm going to read it from the NASB, uh, the New American Standard Bible, yeah. So it's John chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover of the feast of the Jews was near. Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who have five barley loaves and two fish, but what are those? What are these for so many people? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. Likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were lifted, when they were filled, 
he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. And the second passage for today, I'm going to read from Mark. Mark chapter 6 is from verses 30 to 44. I, as always, I'm going to read it from the NASB translation. So Mark 6, 30 to 44. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them, and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went to shore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them, because they were like sheep without shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it's already quite late. Send them away, so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, and he kept giving to them to the disciples to set them before, and he divided up the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up 12 baskets of the broken pieces and also the fish. They were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. And in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 31, you can, I'm just going to give a bit of introduction, yeah, and then a bit of introduction, what was, what was going on before all of this happened, and then, and then we can go straight into it. I've got four points that I wanted to unpack today with everyone, um, and, then, and then we can go from there. Yeah. Um, you know, if you read Mark chapter 6, in verse 30 and 31, it basically says um, that the disciples came from a missionary trip. So they were, they were coming, they were in really high spirits, they really wanted to share the big miracles that Jesus did, or the power of the Holy Spirit did through them. They witnessed a whole lot of stuff that they never were able to do. I mean, you think about it, they were probably a bit insecure going into something without Jesus, and then they're doing it all by themselves, and they, they witnessed the power of God, and they were all really, really excited. You also read that there were a lot of people coming and going, and it was all very busy. And they just never had the time to, um, to just sit down and have a meal even because there were just too many people. If you read Matthew chapter 14, verses 13, not to just we, we, we open that up now. Um, you can also see that um, Jesus just heard about John's death. Um, and if you know, John was Jesus' relative. If you think about jo Jesus' childhood, it must have been with John for a large part of time. Um, and, and that must have emotionally shook him. Um, and it was all just before this big feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus just heard John's news. 
disciples are scheming for a missionary trip. They're trying to catch Jesus. Jesus have got a lot of people coming in and going, coming in and going. And if you just slip to the next slide, sometimes you could just have um, oh the next yeah. Sometimes you could just have just a whole load of things actually happening in your life. You've got one thing after the other after the other. Probably not not everything working the sequence you really had in mind, uh, and you really wished it would be slightly different. Not everything to go wrong all at the same time, and and Jesus did a, just decided to push pause just then. And he said, you know what, we're just going to take a boat. We're just going to go away and just, just go in a boat. And, and sometimes I think we just need to, you know, push pause and, and, just, and just, just pause and just spend some time with, with, with the people who you love, who you, who you really want to spend time with for those few hours, or maybe it might be a few hours, or maybe it's in the morning, or maybe in the, maybe in the evening, or whatever, you're, whatever, you're, whatever you prefer, I think. That, that pause actually gets you to do what God wants to do um, in the next season or this, what Jesus is going to do. The first point I really wanted to just unpack with everyone is that Jesus was moved by compassion. So that was a bit of an intro to all of this that I just shared. In Mark 6, verse 32 to 34, I'm going to read from the message translation and then over to Luke. Um, in Mark 6, 32 to 34, it says, From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot, running, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke like sheep with no shepherd they were. He went right to work teaching them. In Luke chapter 9, verses 10 and 11, it says, Jesus graciously welcomed them and talked to them about the kingdom of God. Those who needed healing, he healed. Um, in John chapter 6, the previous passage that we read, you understand that a load of people actually followed Jesus because they saw the signs. Um, and they really wanted to just continue to see the signs in their life. I mean, if you think about it, they weren't really right for, for anything that Jesus was about to do because they were just following Jesus for what they wanted to see, some a bit of action. But then you also see that Jesus left one place and he went to the other side of the lake and you see this bunch of people actually recognize that oh god i know where jesus is going he's going to this place in Bethsaida. he's going to he, they want to walk over there now if you think about it people actually ran the bible says people ran across from one place all the way to Bethsaida, to the other side of the lake now, that did involve a bit of effort if you think about it and I mean, I can't imagine that people just run for nothing. And I feel like they were desperate, maybe. They were broken. They, I mean, Jesus said that they were sheep without, they were, they were sheep without shepherd. So they may have been lost. They may have been disconnected. Because of the oppressive Roman Empire, it may have just, or, and, and also the Jewish leadership, it would have just meant that they were all disconnected and overlooked. Whatever they, they, they carried, they carried inside. They, no, one, no one was there to hear their pain. So and I feel like they were carrying a lot of that pain. And, and the Bible says it very clearly that Jesus showed compassion. Jesus welcomed them. Regardless of what they were looking for in Jesus, Jesus just showed the compassion that they really deserved. Behind all of that layer, he peeled his layer and said, these people really need compassion they need love and today I just want to assure you and I think I think it's already you must have already heard from from um, from 
Duncan van Dom and Jerry sharing this almost something very similar. And I want to ensure you that, that Jesus is here today and he's ready to show compassion regardless uh, of what you've been through, regardless of where you're at. I just want to assure you that God wants to show you compassion. He wants to work with you in, in the areas of your um, that you're trying to sort out. Sometimes we can all think like, you know what, I want to just sort this out. I want to get it calculated and planned, and that's when I'll come and give it to God. But God's like, don't, don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. Come, come now. Come now, and I want, to, I want to deal with you. I want to deal with your pain now, today. In Psalms 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the contrite in spirit. In in the same book, in Psalms 147, verse 3, it says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wound. And you can see that that's exactly what Jesus did. He went and he healed those people. He went and addressed what they were after. They, they were broken and God healed them. He started speaking words of life over their lives, and that's what Jesus did. The second, the second point that I want to unpack with you is God desires to work with us. He, he, I mean, if you think about it, God can just do everything on its own. Uh, he, he does not really need us. But, but he really needs us at the same time. He wants to work through us. He, he, he wants to partner with us in everything. He wants to partner with us to bring hope. He wants to, bring, he wants to partner with us to speak words of life. To our neighbour, he partners with us to do that. Um, how many? How is it uh, to actually have a very? I don't know if how many of you have actually had a very difficult boss in your workplace, uh, or you currently have a very difficult boss, or you've had one before. In the in the passage that we read in in John six verses five to six, Philip was asked the question by Jesus. Um, there's this load of people, there are 5,000 people, and Jesus rocking up to Philip and saying, hey, Philip, do you want to just go and fix dinner for us? And he was like, well, for you or just for the 5,000? And Jesus like, no, for everyone. I mean, if you think about it, Philip may have just paused for a second and said, are you really serious? Are you, do you really, are you really talking of this dinner for all of them? And the, and the funny thing is Jesus, the Bible already says Jesus had calculated, he knew what he's going to do, but he still asked the question to Philip. And it's really interesting, Philip's response, because, I mean, if you think about it, Philip came from a spiritual high. I told you about he came from this missionary trip, he, he, he saw the Spirit of God working big wonders and all of that stuff. Um, and if, if, you, if you read in John chapter 1, verses 44, uh, not to just return to that now, but in that passage, it says Philip actually came from Bethsaida, which is the same town where this event was actually taking place, was unfolding. So if anyone could fix dinner, it could probably be Philip because he knew where to get the bread and he knew where to, where to get the, who could come and help with the logistics. He, he would probably sort it out. And I feel like that was probably the reason why he couldn't do it, because he knew that where the bread was very far, he knew the market price for the bread maybe, and he, could, he calculated it, and he said, well, actually, you know what? It's not going to work with this 200 denarii. Do you want us to spend half a year's wages? Like, are you really serious? I think he knew too much to actually make it a limitation for God to work through him. 
And you know, sometimes, sometimes it's our knowledge and sometimes it's the, our experiences. I mean, go works to our experiences. I'm not saying that that's, that's something to look down on, but sometimes it's all the things that we know, all the things we have, we, we've been through that actually says, you know what, it's not gonna work. It might just not work. Are you really sure? And, and I feel like God was not trying to see if Philip's able to, to do it or deliver it. And I feel like the test was, God was actually saying, Philip, do you see that I am able to do it? Are you willing to trust me that I can do it? You went away a few days back and you, and you, and you did miracles out in the desert or wherever they were. But do you believe that you can, that, that you can see me do this through you? I wonder how, how we actually see challenges. How do we respond to challenges when, when you get something, when you, see a very, when, you, when you get a very difficult boss or when someone's asking you the question that really turns your backside up or, or, or something just happens that you just, what, 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 how do you respond to those challenges? How do you, do, you, do you try and curtail yourself? Do you try and limit yourself? Or do you actually look up to God and say, God, actually, you can do this. You can do this because I can't. And, and I feel God was actually asking that from Philip. And I wonder how it would have been if Philip actually said, you know what, I think you're going to do something. I'm going to try and do, I'm going to try and see what, how I can work with you. So what do you, what do you, how do you want this to work, Jesus? Can you tell me what you, what you would like to do? I mean, I can go and look for a bread. Maybe I can give that to you. Well, we can think about what we do about it. it. It will be different. And I feel like God's looking for that partnership. He's not trying to ask Philip to solve everything. But Philip is, all that Philip needed to do was just partner with God and God would just come with a solution and not Philip to actually get the solution and get it all ready. So are we willing to actually, if you feel like you're called to doing something or if you're called to, to serve a church or if you're called to, um, to speak at, in schools or if you're called to actually speak to your children, well, obviously, if you're parents, you have, I'm sure you are called. Um, if, 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 if you feel that, that, that is, that's something that God has called you to, are you, are you willing to actually partner with God to actually make it work? Are you willing to actually redefine your ways of thinking of actually that's not me. I don't need to solve every problem. I don't need to fix it. God can do it for me. The, the, the next point that I want to touch on this is a very short one and then I'm going to go to the last one. Very, um, the, this one is, I really like it because it says God does not change his mind. And um, this is my reading of the passage. Um, so Forgive me if that's not the way you look at it. I feel like Jesus spoke to Philip and he said, because the Bible says that he saw the crowd coming and then he spoke to Philip. So I feel like he spoke to Philip saying, Philip, we need to fix dinner. And then my assumption is Philip would have gone to the disciples and went, do you know what? Jesus just said, we need to fix dinner. You think it's going to happen? And then they must have had a word with, each, with all the disciples. And then it's like, ah, Jesus again. Um, and, and, you know, they must have had the discussion within, between all of them. And then I feel like a few hours passed and the disciples went, it's not going to work. Let's just go to him and say, 
it's late, we need to get them out, yeah? Let's go with this plan. There's the best plan that we've come up with. So they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's late. You know these people came from far, it's a desert, you know all that, yeah? So let's, in, let's get them out now um, because there's no food. And I feel like that was their kind of plan B because they just didn't have another plan A, uh, a better plan A. So, and they, they went and floated the option to Jesus saying, how is this plan looking to you? And Jesus still said, no, uh, I'd quite like you to fix dinner. And, I, and, it, and it's interesting because Jesus never moved Obviously, he's 100% God, 100% man. He, he knew what he was going to do, but he didn't want to leave that place without actually hosting a big party there. He really wanted to host a big party, and he was not willing to change that mind, regardless of how difficult the disciples were. And so that's my assumption, that there must have been at least twice they talked about this. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but isn't, aren't you glad that Jesus never changes his mind? He never changes his mind to you. He does not. He he doesn't. He doesn't change the degree of loud to you. It, it's not any different. If you do great or you do less, his love remains the same. His compassion for your brokenness remains the same. You cannot do anything to earn anything more or less. And today, if culture has spoken to you differently, or if your parents have taught you differently, I want to give you this message that the degree of God's love is not any different regardless of what you've been through, regardless of what you've done last week. I just want to share that. I just want you to just carry that in, in your mind. Um, all throughout this, I was, I've been thinking, and, I'm, and this is my last point, and I'm, and I'm going to wrap up, that I've, I was just thinking about why. Why did Jesus actually host this big party? Like, what was the point of just giving this huge banquet, well, of massive feast for 5,000 plus people? In, in verse 9, it says, of, of John 6, it says, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? At the, at the end of a panic search by the disciples, they finally found this lad with, with five barley loaves and two fish. And then they, and they've, and, and the disciples have decided that they will just come and just hand it to Jesus and see what goes, what happens next. I mean, to be honest, I feel like that was a lot for a kid. Five barley loaves and two fish. Like, what? I mean, I think that mum was very generous. I think she was also packing, not just for the kid, probably also for... I don't know, for someone else who must have not been, who must be hungry, I don't know what, maybe they were very, very generous. But, but you can tell that the child did not come from a very, well, very wealthy background um, because the grain barley was associated mostly to the, to the less-to-do families. Um, it used, it, the grain, if you, if, you, if you take the grain, if you look at, during that time in Egypt, those, that grain barley was actually used to feed the cattle. And in Israel, that, those grains are normally used in, in the, probably the less wealthy families. So, so if you think about it, he may have not come from a very wealthy background. So if you thought that maybe he was very rich and he just had lots to give, so he just gave the five, no, I don't think that was the case. Maybe, maybe not. Um, if I were the kid, I would be rethinking surrendering the loaves. Like, firstly, what's the point? 
It's five barley loaves versus 5,000 people. Now, what's the point? Second, I'm going to be left hungry for the rest of the day. I don't think that's a fair proposition to bear with. Like, what's the point? I'm going to surrender my fire loaves and then be left hungry. The third, barley is too cheap. Like, I don't want to show off my, I, there's nothing to show off there. Like, that is probably not the most, most fanciest of, of loaves that I can, uh, you know, I can be giving to Jesus. So why just surrender it and maybe embarrass myself? But you know what? The lad never thought about any of these things. He, he just surrendered and he gave it, hoping that, well, maybe people might get it. Maybe I might lose my barley loaf, so what? Who cares? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to see what's going to happen. And I felt like he didn't have it all calculated. He did not have it all precise and this is exactly how it's going to work. He just surrendered thinking, well, I think something's going to, something good's going to come out of it, so let's just see. Um, he was not embarrassed that it was barley loaves. He didn't think of anything. And so I was thinking about why did Jesus do this? One, I feel like Jesus saw the Father doing it. In, in John chapter 5, verses, verse 19, it says, he does, not, you know, he does not do anything that he does not see what the Father does. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he saw the Father do this. I feel like he wanted to connect with people. I feel like he wanted to have a genuine friendship or a friend or, or, a, or, or a relationship with people in that, in that time when he broke the loaves and he thanked God and actually had, had a meal with everyone. I feel like he, he was saying he, he knows their need. I know your need. I know you're hungry. Even before you say that you're hungry, I don't think anyone turned up and said, I'm hungry or I want to leave. I think he knew that he was hung they were hungry and he knew that he wanted to feed them. And so he was talking about his, that God being provider. And I think there's also one deeper reason why Jesus did it. And, it was, and, and when reading the scripture in John chapter 6, it stalks this. In verse 5, it says, Therefore, Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? So it talks about therefore. And if you read the previous verse in verse 4, it says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. So I'm sure you all know this, but the Passover basically commemorates Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a remembrance of that. And I feel like the feeding of the 5,000 has got a huge um, connection to the Moses and Jesus. I feel like the feeding of the 5,000 has got some res resemblance to the, the manna that came from heaven and the Israelites that were fed as a result of that. Um, you, and, and following this, the, sh the miracle that happened shortly after this was Jesus walking on the water, which has also got some interesting resemblance to Moses leading the Israelites out and walk part in the Red Sea. And I feel like Jesus in this passage was establishing himself as a new Moses, as a spiritual savior, as their, as their, as their savior for their souls and something much deeper than that, just the bread. I feel like God was actually saying, I am the bread of life. And those who come to me will never be hungry because that's what he established. If you read the verses down, you'll notice that that's what Jesus was establishing, that I am the bread of life. 
uh, and I'm here, and I'm here to give life. Um, I just want to read very quickly that verse. It says, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Um, and in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. And um, with that... I just want to, well, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but I just want to encourage you, if you could just have your eyes closed. Um, and I would just request the band up as well. And if I can just ask you to just, just think about the last time that you actually um, limited God or curtailed God because you weren't sure it's going to work. I just want to, I just want you to have a think about when was that last time? How do you respond to challenges? How do you generally respond to challenges? And, and then the second thing that I want you to also be thinking about is, is about Jesus as your savior and the one who has got eternal life. He wants to fill you with hope and life, not just with the material food that you see that will leave you hungry again, but he wants to be that eternal savior, giving you the hope that will never run dry, life that will never run dry, that will lead to eternal life. And today I want to also encourage those who've, who wants to probably rededicate their life back to God. Maybe you've slipped away or, or you've turned away from God. Or maybe you've never, you've, you've don't even, you've never even had a thought about surrendering your life to God. As a band displays music softly, I just want you to just think about these few things and, and then we can pray. I'll give you a minute and maybe if you just think quietly just about the points that I mentioned. And then I'll pray. Father, we, we thank you so much, God, because you just show us so much compassion. You're just willing, you're always willing to show us so much compassion. You're always willing to show us your love. You do not expect from us that you need to have it all sorted. You never have that expectation that, oh, you need to have it all calculated. Oh, you've just messed it up. So, well, you've got to clean the mess now, don't you? You never, you never look down on us, but you always show us compassion, God. You always look at us as deserve recipients of your love and your compassion and your grace and today God we just want to come back to you and just surrender our lives Lord and we just want to be in that position God to actually receive your compassion receive your love because that can that can sometimes that can bring us healing that can mend our brokenness sometimes we we, we're probably 
have been in a place that we just don't want to receive compassion anymore because we've never received any love from people. But today I want to encourage those that you feel rejected or you feel disconnected or you don't feel like you can connect with anyone anymore. I want you to just surrender that heart saying, God, I want, I want to just receive your compassion today. I want to receive your full love and your grace today, God. I want to lay my definitions of life, my definitions of how I need to have it sorted and I want to give it to you, God. And today, God, also those of you who've never given your lives, God, I pray, Father, would you just move in each of our hearts that if there's an area, any area in our lives that we haven't surrendered, God, would you just bring that to a memory, God? And would you just allow us to just surrender and lay that at your feet and, and accept your lordship over those areas? And Lord, we thank you so much, God, because you're going to move in our hearts, in our minds, God. And free us of anything that tries to hold us back. And we thank you so much, God, because you died on the cross for us, for eternal life. And you rose again on the third day to give us that hope so that we can look forward to God. And God, we, we speak and we declare that life and we declare that hope, Lord, over each of the souls in this room. We thank you so much, God, for that hope. And we thank you so much for that love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.